Welcome to Joy in Learning, a podcast from the Harley School in Rochester, New York. We're an independent school for nursery through grade 12, where there's always lots of interesting learning going on for us to share with you. For this episode, I sat down with Harley parent Jeffrey Tucker from the University of Rochester to talk about his upcoming Common Speaker Series event, Conversations with John A. Williams. Enjoy. I'm here today with Jeffrey Tucker, Associate Professor in the Department of English at the University of Rochester and editor of a new book called Conversations with John A. Williams. And Jeff is also going to be our common speaker this month, and he graciously agreed to sit down and chat with me for a few minutes. Jeff, thanks for doing this. Welcome. Oh, thanks very much. So first question is, um, can you give our listeners just an overview of John Williams' work? Um, who was he? What kind of writings did he do? Sure. Well, John A. Williams uh, was arguably the most prolific African-American writer of his generation, uh, published something on the order of 30 books, if you count all of his novels and books that he edited and uh, other, other publications. Um, published originally in the 1960s, published his last novel in 1999. So his work spans a long chronological uh, range as well. Um, and, uh, you know, he's really uh, sort of considered a canonical figure. You know, he appears in anthologies of African-American literature. Um, but still, he sort of gets undertaught and understudied. And, um, you know, he's a writer of great skill and um, really addresses some really important topics, I think, in terms of American and African-American history. And so I see, you know, this book as just my little part to kind of put him back on our collective radar screen because he's a very important writer. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved in, in editing this book? Well, I started teaching at the University of Rochester in 1999, and uh, for a few years before that, the University of Rochester started as the home for um, the John A. Williams collection. So uh, John's papers, uh, drafts, other artifacts, uh, thing, belongings uh, are housed at the University of Rochester and have been housed there in the Rare Books and Special Collections Department of Rushree's Library for years, like I said, years before I started there. Um, it was in 2003, uh, I think, that uh, John received an honorary degree from the University of Rochester, and that's when I met him in person. Wow. And um, that was great. And then I think it was about a year later that the then director of Rare Books and Special Collections, Richard Peake, who's a good friend of the Williams family, informed me that John had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And um, although Alzheimer's, or what John was experiencing affected his short-term memory, mostly the idea that his memory at all was going to be affected was a concern. And so Richard suggested that somebody interview John, sort of get, you know, that knowledge down. And I said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Who should, who should, who should we get to interview John? He said, well, <laughs> right. I, I think you should do it. <laughs> and so uh, Richard and I met with John and his wife, Lori, and suggested it to them. And they thought it was a good idea. And so for about a calendar year, 
um, on and off. I guess it was kind of maybe like once a month or so I uh, would travel to their home in Teaneck, New Jersey and interview John and Lori would be there most of the time. Richard was there some of the time. And uh, I would uh, interview him and the interviews were organized around his novels uh, and, and his one book of poetry. So there were uh, about a dozen uh, of those interviews and recorded them to digital audio and digital video in some cases. Mm. And those interviews are now housed in rare books and special collections um, in Rushree's library as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, as, as a creator of audio content, that is very fascinating to me and I would love to talk to you about that after the show. Sure. Um, it, what did it mean for Williams to have a, re a reputation as an angry black writer? Yeah, so I mean, I think that reputation is one possible answer to the big question about Johnny Williams, which is to say, you know, why doesn't he have a, a bigger uh, profile? Why don't more people know about him and his work? Um, and again, one question, one answer to that question is that he might have had this reputation as being an angry black writer, a reputation not only amongst readers, but within the publishing industry as someone who is hard to work with, as just an angry black man that people didn't want to work with. And so that might be that that might be one answer to the question, which is a part of the meaning is that, you know, he kind of got uh, ignored or if not ignored, sort of. Uh, purposefully uh, marginalized and pushed to the side um, because um, he had this reputation. And of course, I mean, the John A. Williams that I knew uh, certainly could, would get angry about things to be angry about, like injustice. Right. And yeah. um, but, but I think, on balance, was a friendly, personable individual. So. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's part of the situation. And I, I think he was aware of that. And that's something that comes up in the interviews that, you know, people thought that he was an angry black man uh, and it was just angry in general. Now, that also there are reasons perhaps for that, uh, that characterization of John. It has to do with, you know, where, he, you know, who he was, where he was living, where in the, the chronological era in which he was writing, which is to say sort of between if you will, the, the black out, black arts movement, black power movement of the late 60s, early 70s, and then, uh, you know, later writers um, who were writing, if you will, sort of uh, historical uh, fiction, um, thinking of, you know, the work of someone like Toni Morrison, you know, writing Beloved and mm -hmm. uh, writing fiction in the 1980s that drew from American and African-American history of the antebellum era of the 19th century. And John was sort of in between uh, that and, and also sort of between uh, an era of, like, say, the black arts movement of the 60s and 70s and the earlier writers, say, like Ralph Ellison, James Baldwin, Richard Wright. And he didn't really kind of fit in to any of those movements. He was sort of, again, between movements and sort of above or below them, just not really kind of hard to, 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 to put into one of those movements. And so, uh, but certainly he's writing, you know, uh, one of his best known novels is The Man Who Cried I Am, which was published in 1967. And so this is an era of urban uprisings happening around the country. Um, 
and you know there that that anger finds its way into his writing um i also think um you know he he also there there's this controversy that happened early in his career when he was awarded the prix de rome which is a uh, a very prestigious in fact i think it still exists or it has has been reincarnated um it, it's an award that takes a right an american writer to rome and had a had a significant substantial cash prize and he received it uh after the publication of his uh second novel entitled night song which is about jazz and kind of based on the life of uh charlie bird parker and the, so he got the note that he was going to be awarded this prize and then he was asked to be interviewed by the head of the american academy in rome uh, in new york city and uh, which is a strange sort of thing because none of the other recipients prior to john had to be interviewed but he goes to the interview and after the interview he gets a letter saying that the prize has been rescinded and he he was understandably upset about that not only he but a lot of other people were upset um, a lot it was a big literary scandal at the time and there were all sorts of hypotheses as to you know, why the prize was rescinded um, you know um, a lot of the hypotheses just sort of boiled down to to anti-black racism ultimately mm -hmm. um, I mean, there were people who hypothesized that they uh, that the director thought that he was uh, involved with a white woman and didn't like that um, or that he, the director thought that John he had written this novel about a jazz musician who did who did drugs and the director thought well maybe you know that was it was autobiographical in some way which you know obviously was not and so uh, and John did write a, an essay about the experience entitled we regret to f inform you that Hmm. dot 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 uh and it's a pretty angry piece but understandably so uh and but i think that might have had something to do with how he got that reputation and again perhaps that reputation followed him you know deep into his life and his career well that that actually sort of answers a question that i was thinking as you were describing that situation is do you think that that his reputation and sort of being marginalized um affected his work at all and then could further reinforce that reputation yeah i mean it, it, it might have um i'm thinking one of his later novels is, it's entitled click song and it's basically about um the publishing industry it's about it, it, it's it, that that is a somewhat autobiographical novel it's basically about how hard it is to be an american writer uh in the 1980s and uh just you know trying to make ends meet you know trying to make enough money to support yourself and your family and uh dealing and, and as an african-american writer dealing with uh racisms within the publishing industry uh and that's something that you know john put quite intently i think in in that novel and uh you know the protagonist of that novel i think also has a reputation uh and so yeah i think i think you know it, it very well could have been one of the factors behind 
the lack of attention that John received into the 80s and 90s, but um, there, there may be others as well. Mm-hmm. Now, John did some writing for Newsweek in Ebony. Um, it, do you think that that contributed to a cultural conversation and sort of part B to that, do you think that those were two different conversations um, based on those two different publications? Sure. Well, I mean, I would agree that they are two different publications with different audiences and those contexts certainly would shape the content of material published within them. That said, I don't know I don't know for sure if John approached his work for those publications differently. And I would have to actually sort of sit down and look more closely at articles that were published in those publications to see if the content was different. Um, But journalism was an important part of his background. You know, he attended, uh, attended, Syracuse University and earned a bachelor's degree there and studied both English literature and journalism at Syracuse. And, you know, Syracuse has a long history, uh, has a reputation for being a very good school in terms of journalism. And so, I mean, I think I, I, the John, I, I imagine John A. Williams applying his scholarship or his knowledge uh, and background in journalism equally and in the same way for whatever type of journalistic writing project he was engaged in. That's sort of what I see and that's what I would expect. Um, but, but again, certainly there are other types of you know, material conditions shaping uh, a writer's output. So certainly um, it's not uh, unreasonable to expect that uh, if he's covering the same story for for Ebony and Jet uh, as he is for Newsweek, that those stories might be different uh, when they finally are published. Mm-hmm. Well, this is super fascinating and culturally still very relevant. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to your talk. Thank you for taking time to sit down and talk with me today. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Sure. Well, um, you're quite welcome. And uh, thanks for asking me to come in and talk. Thanks for joining us today on Joy in Learning, the Harley Schools podcast. We look forward to sharing interesting stories, discussing educational topics, and exploring ideas with you on our next episode. See you again soon.